0: Today's reading is John chapter 13. And uh, the chapter begins to recount the final Passover of Jesus' public ministry. And um, also, Jesus begins to give some final instructions and final teaching to his disciples. That will continue over the next three chapters in John. And this chapter begins some of the richest chapters in John's gospel because. it's, uh, it's, it's part of his upper room discourse, so it's called. It's in this chapter that Jesus predicts that one of his own disciples would betray him, just as the prophets had foretold, and he humbly demonstrates to his disciples the love that he commands them to show one another into the world. Let's begin with what we can learn from this betrayal uh, of Jesus by Judas Iscariot. Uh, I think there are several things we can glean uh, about Jesus or several truths we can glean from John's telling of the story of of uh, Judas betraying Jesus and here's one thing we can learn from that first we see that the infallible foreknowledge of God. The infallible foreknowledge of the Lord Um, I, I suspect that the betrayal of Jesus took the other disciples by surprise. In fact, when Jesus informed them that one of them would betray him, did that in verse 21, we read in verse 22 says, The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. And even when Jesus somewhat openly meant motioned and identified Judas as the betrayer in verses 25 and 26, John still says, The rest of the disciples, uh, uh, says of the rest, And even when Jesus somewhat openly mentioned and identified Judas as the traitor in verses 25 and 26 John still says of the rest of the disciples that verse 28 no one knew why he had said this to Judas. I mean you you can imagine their position. Judas had been with them for three years and they simply couldn't imagine him taking this sort of action. But while it no doubt took the disciples by surprise it certainly didn't take the Lord by surprise. In fact not only does Jesus foretell the event indicates that it was foretold hundreds and hundreds of years earlier in the Old Testament. In verse 18 Jesus quotes Psalm 41 verse 9 and claims that that this is ultimately referring to the betrayal of Jesus by Judas and Jesus declares in verse 19 I'm telling you this now before it takes place that when it does take place you may believe that I am he. Jesus possesses the very foreknowledge of God and he applies psalm 41 9 to judas but psalm 41 9 never actually names judas by name but jesus knows that it is judas and this is another piece of evidence of the deity of jesus but secondly in this account of the uh betrayal we see the incredible humility of jesus it really is remarkable how in light of what we just said about the the foreknowledge of god that jesus possess possesses jesus washed judas's feet anyway i mean that is just it's really astonishing and we'll say more about this in the uh in the next section but it deserves to be mentioned and marveled at and here judas was not someone who was simply going to wrong him in a minor way but would wrong him in a way that would cost him his very life and uh it's just an incredible demonstration of humility by the lord to wash judas's feet along with all the others but thirdly and finally regarding this betrayal we see the uh, a fancy way of saying it. We see the subjection of Satan's devices mm. to the will of the Lord. We see the subjection of Satan's plans and uh, yeah, his devices to the will of the Lord. John is clearly making a point in this chapter of stressing how Satan was actively involved in Judas's betrayal of Jesus. He mentions in verse 2. That the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray him. Likewise, during the Passover meal, uh John mentions that after Jesus gave Judas the piece of bread and dipped it in the wine, verse 27 seven says, Satan entered into him. So twice in this chapter, stress is laid upon Satan's influence and activity. But it's important to note that all of Satan's scheming and all of his influences. And devices are set in the the context of Jesus already knowing, verse 2, that the Father had given all things into his hands. All of Satan's evil intentions are not stopping or slowing uh, or hindering uh, the plan of God, but rather serving the plan of God. God is sovereign. And finally, let's think about what we see at the end of this chapter about uh, the love of Jesus Christ for his his disciples I think that's perhaps the, the greatest emphasis in this chapter the love of Christ it's the it's the theme of the very first verse of the chapter and it's the subject of the new commandment that Jesus gives to all of his disciples near the chapters end. at first glance when you read verses 34 and 35 you might wonder how on earth Jesus declares it to be a new commandment I mean when you think about the command. To love one another. I mean, that's that's not a new commandment. I mean, way back in the Old Testament, the command of Leviticus 19, 18 is love your neighbor as yourself. And 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 Jesus said that's one of the that's one of the two great commandments in the Bible. And, and love your neighbor as yourself is simply the last uh, the the distillation uh, into one statement all of the last six ten commandments. Love one another is not new. And so if that's the case, though, what is new about the new commandment that Jesus gives in John 13? The key is in the phrase in verse 34, just as I have loved you. The newness of the command here for Christians is that Jesus is now the living embodiment of what it looks like to love your neighbor as yourself. We aren't left guessing it looks like Jesus who even washes the feet of those who want to kill him. It, 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 it is a love that doesn't depend on the reciprocation of the one being loved it, it in other words expecting something in return it is how God loves. we are uh, it, it, it. It's a love that gives away not because the other person deserves it but it, because it's like Jesus we're made in his image. Genesis 1: 126, and we are being restored and transformed into that image again, image again, Second Corinthians 3:18, and part of what it means is loving like Jesus loves. It is hard, yes, but that is why Jesus said back in John chapter 12, verse 25, "Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life." And those are some thoughts from John chapter 13.